reestablish your image that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're everything he says you are because you are in Christ Jesus in spite of your circumstances, in spite of what's going on in the world, in spite of whatever happened to you, you are who God says you are in Christ Jesus. Give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah. We thank the praise team for leading us into worship. Amen. All you that have joined us on live stream, thank you for joining us. Hallelujah. Let's get started in the message. Hallelujah. This is the 19th sermon out of the 23rd Psalm. We are looking at verse 6. Hallelujah. We will look at it from the Amplified first. And it reads as such in our hearing. Surely our only goodness and mercy and his unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, <laughs> the house of the Lord, his presence shall be my dwelling. The King James says, 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 and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. The thought that I want to deal with this morning is the fulfillment of God's desire and purpose for us. Hallelujah. Father, even now in the mighty name of Jesus, we say hallelujah. We say glory. Lord, Pour out your spirit to every listening ear. Lord, pour out your spirit. Allow me to only say that which you want me to say. Lord, even now, glorify yourself like only you can. Let your word have preeminence in our thinking in our hearing, in our speaking. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. David has come to the end of the 23rd Psalms. And last week, as we dealt with, he says, based on my past experience with the goodness and mercy of God, I know that he only going to give me goodness and mercy now and in my future. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I'm confident that no matter what the world throw at me, what people throw at me, what the devil throw at me, God, God is good. God is merciful. That, that even in the midst of the worst circumstances, I know his mercy, his grace, and his love holds me. We have to be able to separate circumstances from God's presence. <laughs> God's presence can over-supersede the circumstances. It's like the three Hebrew boys that is in the fiery furnace and, and, and his presence, the Lord's presence, when he got in the furnace, he took the heat out the fire. 
But I think I take that back. The fire still had heat, but he insulated them from the heat. God will insulate you from the trouble you're in. Then he says, he says, he says, he says, surely goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house, the tent, the overshadowing, the, the presence of the Lord forever. Looking at many commentaries, they, they just think it means here on earth. But David made a statement forever, which takes it to another level. David is not just talking about his days on earth. David is foreseeing that God has a place with him for us to be. Many commentators don't see that because they say, wait a minute, David is a thousand years before Jesus Christ, so how can he see what God had intended? Can I share something with you? When you walk close to God, God will show you some things that other people can't see. God, 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 God will let you know that, that I'm going to share my secrets with you. I'm going to let you know what I intend to do. Listen, David was not only a king. David was a prophet. He, he wrote a lot of the Psalms, and in those Psalms are messianic Psalms, which means that he foretold the coming of Christ, the legacy of Christ, the death of Christ, and even the resurrection of Christ. One of the reasons that I, why I believe the word of God because there are foretelling, there are prophecies that foretell what's going to happen before they take place. The life of Jesus was foretold way before he came to the place that they knew that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem because Micah prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. Don't tell me that the Bible is man-written. It was man. God used them as an instrument to foretell so that there would be no reason for us not to believe because God worked it all together. Hallelujah. Even in this, even in this, I see the birth of Jesus in this Psalms. I see him saying that after I die, the Lord has made a way for me to spend eternity with him. David sees the resurrection. Somehow, I, when God speaks through you, you can't tell me you don't get wet. When, 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 they, when, when they were prophesied, David saw and had an understanding that he saw that God had a purpose and a plan and a desire. Listen, God always intended for us to be with him. Matter of fact, the Garden of Eden was a portal between heaven and earth, and God came down to earth, and wherever God is, there's heaven. 
His intent was that us will have fellowship with him, not religion, relationship, that we will know him. He will be his father, our father, we will be his children. He made us for such. Isaiah 43 tells us, he said, I made you for my glory. I created you for myself. You are mine. I called you by name. When God made us, he made us so that we could enjoy him. Now, he knew that the devil was going to get busy. He knew that Adam and Eve was going to be disobedient. And it would put a, a, how can I say, a bit in his, in his, his, his direction. But you know, God knows how to work around obstacles. God's purpose is still going to be fulfilled no matter what the devil does. Don't ever think that anybody can stop you from reaching what God has for you. Can't nobody stop you but you. When God has determined to bless you, to lift you, to, to take you, don't you know he might have to take you the long way around, but you will get to where God has determined for you to get because God is in control. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. He's in control. Even in our lives, even in this time, even in these situations. That's why you can't allow your circumstances to determine your faith. You let your faith determine how you view your circumstances. In everything, you got to see God. Did you know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? And listen, it was already determined. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of our salvation was already set. God already knew that sin was going to enter the world, but he had another plan that he would become our kinsman redeemer. Every book of the Bible it's part of the ultimate story of God redeeming us. Of us, of God calling us back to himself. Every book of the Bible has a thread in it, a blue thread in it. Here Jesus is after his resurrection. He is on his way. He, in Luke 24, there's two disciples that are talking about the events of his death and resurrection. And Jesus shows up, but they don't know it's Jesus. Huh. Here he is, and he, he joins with them, and they're on their way to Emmaus. And, and scripture says that he begins to talk with them and ask them what are the, they are discussing. Then he says to them, he said, oh, foolish, slow of belief. He said, don't you know that all that happened had to happen in order to fulfill the purpose of God? Didn't, don't you know the scriptures that my death and resurrection was part of the plan and it was foretold? Then it says that Jesus went from Moses all the way through the prophets showing them himself. Huh? Moses is the first five books. And he said he went through the books of the Old Testament showing them that he was in it. The picture of him. 
the story of him, the first coming of him, from his death to his resurrection. Listen, listen, listen. If, if anybody comes saying that they something, then, then God will always get evidence of what they are. He did not leave us blind. He foretold that God himself will wrap himself up in human flesh and he will become our deemer, our redeemer, our savior, our Lord, our shepherd to fulfill the purpose that God has for mankind. What a God we have. What an awesome God we have that he went that far to save you and I. My, my brothers and my sisters, the world don't believe it, but you need to understand that there's no other way to be saved but through him. You need to understand that, that if you give him your life, he'll, he'll show you what you was created to be. You need to understand that, that life is not worth living unless Jesus is head of your life. Oh, you need to understand that your identity, your fulfillment, your, 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 your hope, your dreams is in him. I was talking to somebody and I said, I said, I said, I said, God is so a part of our identity, of our image, that until we fully as a man, until you fully surrender to God, you can't walk in your full manhood. For the ladies, I said, I said, I said, until a woman fully surrendered to him, she don't, she can't walk in her total femininity. We are not supposed to walk in who we are without him. You can only walk in who you are with him. And the more you surrender, the more you become who he called you to be. And you don't really worry about what people got to say about you. You don't really worry what other people think. Why? Because when he shows you who you are, let me ask you a question. Is God your image? Is he your mirror? You, you ought to know who you are in him. Your identity, your image comes from him. He'll show you what you was created to be. And until we find that, we're always chasing something else. That's what Satan is trying to erase. And that's what Jesus came to restore. First John chapter 3, verse 8. He says that Jesus says that John, John, John says that Jesus came. He was manifest. He was made, he was, he was revealed. He was shown to us so that he may destroy the works of the devil. But what was the works of the devil? To destroy God's image and his identity, God's identity in us. To make us more animalistic. Can I help you? God is not going to turn the world around. He's saving people out of the world to turn them around. Uh, Y'all need to understand this. 
Because many times we blame God for the world being so bad. But the truth of the matter is the world is so bad because they won't come to God. Man has basically said, I can do this myself. And God has said, since you think you can do it, I'm going to let you do it. Since you think you can handle it. Now, don't get me wrong. He has a restraint so that we can only go so far. But he's not going to fix what we don't don't put into his hands. As long as you think you can run your life, he'll let you run it. And he let you run it in the ground. But the moment you turn your life over to him, he'll start fixing some things, correcting some things, ordering some things, moving some things. Yes, he will. I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. I never would have made it if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Hallelujah. But my brother and sister, he even tells us that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he said, perilous times are going to come. He said, bad times, stressful times are going to come. People are going to be narcissistic. People are going to be self-willed. There would be people that don't know how to love, can't love. My brother and sister, we're living in those days. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen, we are living and you wonder what's wrong? That's wrong. Listen, I don't have to read the newspaper to know the earth is messed up. I just have to read the Bible and it tells me why it's messed up. I'm not afraid. I just know if he told me then he has it in his hands, and because I'm his, I'm in his hands. Do you know you're in his hands? Why? Because God is going to fulfill his purpose and his desire in you when you give your life to him. Do you think that God would have gave his only begotten son and sacrificed his son if he wasn't determined to love you and keep you? The greatest gift that God so loved us, so loved you, that Jesus left heaven, wrapped himself up in human flesh, and became one of us to become sin for us, to become the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, to pay the price for us. Some of us still got Jesus in the manger. Some some of us still talk about how cute he is, coochie, 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 little baby. At some point, you got to let him become Lord. You got to let him become your shepherd. You got to let him become your God. At some point, you got to say, I surrender. Lord, I'm tired of running it my own way. Lord, I trust you because the truth of the matter is I don't know. I can't do this. At some point, some of us think we can control 
everything. Can I be honest with you? You can't control nothing. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, stop your heart from beating if you control. I dare you. Stop your heart from beating three minutes. Your, your heart is involuntary muscle, which means that regardless what you do, it is functioning without your knowledge. You, you can be trained how to slow it down, but you can't be trained how to stop it. Because God knew that if he put that in our control, we would mess ourselves up. <laughs> There's very little you can control. I'm so glad we don't have to. I'm so glad that we are in his hands. David, David sees this and he says, not only am I trusting you for my future and for the rest of my life and my purpose in life, but I'm trusting you that when I close my eyes, on this side, that you got a place for me on the other side. Some of you don't think that's important. One of the most poignant moments that I have had in my ministry, I'm outside with a father, his two-year-old girl has cancer. Matter of fact, the cancer started as a pimple on her face. The Cancer has gotten into her blood, and both legs have snapped simultaneously. We standing outside almost on a cold winter night, and he's holding his little girl, and as long as he is holding her, she's okay. Nothing else they could do. Doctor has sent her home and said, just make her comfortable. And we're standing out there talking, and I hear this young man says, even if God would not have promised me heaven, I still would serve him, hoping that there was a place next to him somewhere. I stood there amazed because his language defied the situation. <laughs> Here he is in a a terrible situation because there's nothing like losing a child. But I recognize something now. Just like he was holding his little girl, God was holding him. Oh, oh, yes, he was. Just like he, he had his little girl, God had him in his arms and had his arms wrapped around both of them because what he was saying in that situation, I'm not talking about on the mountaintop, I'm talking about in the valley, that God had to be holding him, that God's grace was enough to keep you in the worst of circumstances. I walked away and said, Lord, increase my faith. Help me to see you to the place that no matter what you throw at me, I know that you got me. I know that you love me. I know that you are for me. I know you fight my battle. Even when I don't understand, help me to trust your love for me. He has a purpose. Here he is 
in Jeremiah 29, beginning verse 11, he is talking to the Israelites, and he says to them, he said, number one, you're in this situation because you didn't trust me. But now that you're in this situation, now that I got your attention, let me tell you. He said, I know my own thoughts for you. My thoughts for you is to prosper you. It's for your good. Though you got yourself in trouble, I still love you. I haven't given up on you. I'm still for you. I'm still in the frame of your picture. You don't know it, but I'm here with you. I know you're in captivity, but I have, I have put myself in captivity with you. In fact, I'm making your captors treat you better than they would treat you because I got favor on you. Uh, somebody need a shout. Somebody need a shout. Have you ever been in a bad situation, but it didn't feel that bad? Somehow, somehow, you still had joy. You still had peace. You still had a presence of God on you. God still was opening up doors. God still will give you handfuls of blessings on purpose. I know my heart towards you. He said, he tells them, he said, I'm trying to get you to the place that you quit being you. You quit doing you. Some of us were saying like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. God says you will never become what you've been created to be with you doing it your way. We stand between the Satan who's saying do it your way and Christ who says, I sacrifice everything for you to give you everything when you surrender yourself to me. I, I, before, while, while you was yet sinners, I died for you to prove my love for you. And you still don't trust me? I, I, I took on humanity and I became one of you so I could identify with you, so I could come up under your hurt, under your pain, out of your suffering and lift it up off of you and you still don't trust me? I gave you all that I am, all that I had and took on your sins and paid the price. I took your punishment. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> I took your punishment and rose up and conquer your two enemies, sin and death. And I did that just because I love you. And you don't trust me to run your life for you? His desire and his purpose has always was to bring us to a place 
that we can't see and that we can't get there on our own. I got a question for you. Are you tired yet? <laughs> Are you tired of, of, of you, know, you know, I told somebody, I said, I said, I said, I said you know, uh, you got all these dots of gifting and you're trying to connect them yourself. You're trying, you're trying to paint your own picture, but whatever you do, the dot's not connecting. It's because you're trying to establish your own purpose, your own image. And as long as you're trying to connect the dots, the dots will never come together. I said, the funny thing is that when you surrender to the Lord, he gets out his, his magic marker that got the blood of Jesus in it. And he'll begin to connect the picture that he created you to be for his glory. Because you're made to be his creation, his masterpiece. God is working on something awesome in your life. But you've got to let him do it. Take your hands off of it. And let the Lord begin to paint in your life what he wants you to be. He will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. That is what God is ultimately up to in our lives. He's not here to make you what you think you want. He is here to show you what he created you to be. Look at the extent that he went to. Here David is a thousand years before the coming of Christ. And in Psalms 22, he talks about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, that's a thousand years before the cross. And here he is painting the picture of Jesus on the cross. In Psalms 22, he said, they pierced my hands and my feet. There was no such thing as the crucifixion a thousand years before. He talked about that they would say that he trusted God. Let's see if God will deliver him. Hold on. You saying this a thousand years before it's coming, which means that you're looking into the future at your literature, at your bloodline, because since David was king, Jesus was born out of the blood of David, which gives him the legal right to be king. But wait a minute, not only that, but he is also a type of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a prophet, was and also a priest that Abraham gave homage to, which means that Jesus is not only prophet king, but he's also the high priest. No, as a high priest, you know what he does? He stands in the middle between you and I and make intercession for us. That he's praying for you. That when you can't take it, he sees it. And he says, Father, touch my daughter. Touch my son. Let them do what they need. They're mine. I die for them. They're everything. They're growing. They're mine. I die for them. They got my name on them. You know, I was driving yesterday. You know, God speaks to you. And that's what I kept on hearing. 
I got my name on you. I got my name on you. I started thinking about that day. That if he got his name on me, Satan can't just do anything. That when Satan sees me, he sees God's name on me. Hold on there. Hold on. Hold on. Gonna get deeper. Yeah, when God got his name on you, you're his property. When, when, when you're his property, he takes responsibility for you, which means then that God says, I'm going to order your step and my integrity, my mercy, my goodness is tied up in how I treat you. Matter of fact, my, my reputation is tied up on how I treat you. So I know I'm going to be good to you because I got my name on you and all heaven and earth and hell is watching how I treat you because when they see you, they see my name on you. Is there anybody in the house got God's name on them? Is there anybody got their name, God's name on you? Christ got his name on you. He died on Calvary. He was born and died on Calvary and rose again to stamp his name on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there have been people who had paintings and they didn't think it was valuable. But then they took it someplace and they said, we see a name inscribed on this painting. And they begin to say, I see Michelangelo's name here. This painting that you had in the, in the attic got dust all on it. It's worth $50 million. Well, what's the difference? It has Michelangelo's name on it, which means that was valuable. How much valuable is you and me? Oh, he's good. You got the name of Jesus on you. I did a eulogy yesterday. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking about the song you sang, Terry. You know, about when we get to heaven, what will we do? And I hear people say, I can't wait to see my mom. Can't wait to see my dad. Can't wait to see, and uh, that's good, but, but no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I love my mom, I love my dad, but when I, through those pearly gates, mama is gonna be. I got to see Jesus take me to the one who made a way for me, who kept me in the midst of the storm, who washed my sins away, gave me to the one who died on Calvary for me. What I'm gonna do when I see him? I'm going to cry, I'm going to bow down, I'm going to worship, and I'm going to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for me. He did it for you. He did it for me. It was his purpose, his desire, his plan. For you, you have to let him 
Yeah. Being part of a church don't mean you know him. Just because you gave your hand to the preacher don't mean you know him. You may be in church for 50 years and never met Jesus for yourself. You have to open up your heart. Say, Lord, I trust you. You died for me. You rose for me. Lord, I repent. Forgive me of all my sins. I try to do it, but I can't do it. So I give it to you. What can you do with me? Lord, I surrender. I surrender. And when you do that, he comes in. And he'll begin to work and mold and shape and guide and show you how much he loves you. How good he is. How marvelous he is. He loves you. He was born for you. He died for you. He lived for you. And he rose for you. That's how much he loves you. Today, there's some numbers that's coming up. If you call that 451-31, somebody will pray with you. Would you pray with me? Father, even now, as we are entering this holiday season, Christmas and New Year, Father, you paid it all. Jesus paid it all for us. Look, even now, somebody needs you. Break their hearts. Let them accept you, Lord. Let them hear you calling them. And Lord, hear their call like you promised that you would. But let them know you love them. Let them know that, that you would change things, fix things, re-erect things, because that's who you are. Lord, even now, in the midst of this season, let us see Jesus. That he's the best gift, the ultimate gift that has ever been given. Thank you for giving us your best. Because you gave us your best in Jesus. Lord, touch even now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Hallelujah. We're praying for you. Hold on. God is still in control. The praise team is going to take us higher.